The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will Brinson is at a Hairplux convention, is my understanding. That is where you go to get all the latest new technology and Hairplugs. I'm sure he'll give us the whole lowdown when he gets back. But since he's not here, that means you have me, John Breach, hosting the show today. What a win-win. You tune in on Monday. You didn't even know you were going to get me, and you get me. And we have a great show because... We are going to be joined by our good buddy Brian Diardo and talking about some NFL history. I know we've talked about some of the best quarterback seasons of all time. Today, we have the 10 best running back seasons of all time. Um, Diardo, welcome to the show, man. We don't get to we don't chat a lot, you know. We I see you in Slack and we and we type to each other. We don't actually talk to each other very much. We don't, and we have a very unique dynamic because we both like AFC North. Well, we both come from a background with AFC North teams that now I think can be considered a rivalry. But unlike a lot of years, unfortunately for me, your team has the upper hand. We're talking Steelers and Bengals. So, you know, I've I've appreciated your condolences after Bengal blowouts the last couple of seasons. Hopefully I won't be getting those messages in the future. But yeah, man, it's good to be on the show with you for sure. and not just my team, also your wife's team, right? I know you've mentioned that. She's a Bengals fan. Yes, and we actually are expecting our first in January. And, uh, yeah, breaking news here on the show. And, and it, <laughs> it, it, it will be a Bengal fan. It will be a Bengal fan. I'm not – I am I lost that one, but she said I could have the hockey. So I'm stuck with that. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. That's going to change that. your life as someone with a, a two-year-old uh, living in my house right now. I can tell you that uh, everything is going to change, but for the better, it is all amazing. And I'm glad that you and your wife made the right decision <laughs> about uh, how to raise this kid. Cause let's be honest, Joe Burrow, the Bengals will be good for a long time. And the kid will have a happy upbringing. Unlike, uh, you know, any Bengals fans born in the nineties. Well, that that's kind of my thoughts, honestly. If if it's going to be a Bengal fan, this is the time to do it because you know, and and you know, it was very really cool for me to go through the experience with my wife during last year's playoffs and kind of experience the highs with her and get her perspective of it. I mean, I I might not make some friends in Pittsburgh for saying this, but I was invested in that, and <laughs> and when that. That uh, flag came on Logan Wilson. I was I didn't really speak for about five minutes. I was pretty upset. So I, I felt it. I felt it for sure. And uh, you know, it, it's 
My only thing is this, and I, I tell my brother-in-laws, her, her brothers, this. Cheer, they can cheer for the Bengals, but they don't need to hate the Steelers. Let's, you know, let's just – that's kind of my line I'm drawing. They can cheer for the Bengals. They don't have to hate Dad's team. But, no, I'm excited for Bengal fans. And, uh, yeah, I don't have to tell you that. I think the future is really bright in Cincinnati for sure. Yeah, I, I would love to help you there, but I'm not sure those things are mutually exclusive, Diardo. I think <laughs> right. uh, you might just be stuck there. Um, all right, let, let's get to your list. Now, before let's we get that. to your top 10 list, I'm going to go over two snubs real quick that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, you can tell me why they didn't make the cut. Number one, Derrick Henry's 2020 season. We all know that. Uh, obviously, finished with 2,027 rushing yards. And my argument for that one, and again, we'll go over the whole list, and I think one argument that people don't do often enough is that if you if you have – if you think someone got snubbed, that means you have to be able to pull something off the list. You can't just say hey, this person got snubbed and 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 not you know say where they should have been. And I'll mention that when we get later in this top ten. Uh, but I just thought that we're in a pass happy era in the NFL. We've only had two players cross the two thousand yard mark since twenty ten, uh, and Derrick Henry's obviously one of them. So why'd you snub my boy Derrick Henry? I'm in Nashville. He's in Nashville. What's going on, Diardo? What's going on is he had his two biggest games of the season against Houston's run defense that was 32nd in the league that year. Um, he had 19 catches. And, and you know, I'm a guy that, you know, if you're going to be in the top 10, I'm not – and, again, I understand where he gets most of his yards. He's not used as a receiver, but you got to have more than 19 catches to be in the top 10. And for me, I was a big finisher. How did you finish your season? Well, he had 40 yards rushing in, in their playoff game, and they lost. So those are the factors in. You know, you asked me, you know, I feel like a Derrick Henry hater. I'm absolutely not. I'm a huge Derrick Henry fan. And, you know, this was a great season. I wanted it to make the list. But for those reasons I gave you, I just felt like, you know, he had to be left on the cutting uh, cutting room floor. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know, if you got a lot of his rushing yards and it's hard to crack against the Texans, like you said, and it's hard to crack the top 10. This is the top 10 best rushing teams right. of all time. Uh, and the other one, I don't even know if it's a snub, but I think it's interesting that we have. Uh, Jamal Lewis, the third most rushing yards in NFL history in a single season, probably the most improbable rushing season of all time in the sense that no one saw this coming, came out of nowhere. Uh, His career was spectacularly average, and somehow he has this 2,066-yard rushing season in 2003. Uh, Did you have any thoughts of putting that on or – any reason you left it off Henry Henry was above that season um and and again I feel like I don't want to hate on Henry I and I like you know we are in the past happy league I love what you just said so for a 2000 yard back in today's times is really impressive but for me it was the same thing with Jamal Lewis of his 2066 yards exactly 500 were against one team the Cleveland Browns as AFC North brethren we, we know what bad Browns teams look like. And so, you know, for me, and I remember watching that season as it unfolded. And, and I remember watching uh, Lewis trample over Browns defenders that season. But to me, it was like, that's just too big of a weakness for me. When, when a fourth of your yards came against one team that had a lousy run defense. Yeah. I mean, you can actually even throw the Bengals in there. Cause they weren't great. That was the tail end of their nineties tailspin. That was Marvin Lewis's first year. And he had, uh, 281 yards total against them. So he had 781 yards of his 2066 against two teams. So right. I, I buy that. But 
Uh, one of those games against the Browns, we can say the Browns have a bad defense, but one of those games was that 295-yard game that still stands as the second-highest single-game rushing total in NFL history. And, you know, it, just because you're going against easy rushing defense doesn't mean you're going to blow up with huge numbers because uh, still, you know, we've only seen one person top that number ever in the history of the NFL. But, yeah, definitely good points. All right, BDA, let's do this, man. Let's get to the top 10. We're going to start. You know, you didn't have Derrick Henry on the list, but you do have another Titans running back, and that is Chris Johnson and his 2009 season. Uh, Tell us why this one made the list. You know what really uh, blew my mind when I went back and revisited this list? You could argue this season should be higher. He had 500 receiving yards this season. He had over 2,500 all-purpose. That might be the highest of any running back on this list. Uh, you know, 2,000 yards, obviously, he's a member of the 2,000-yard club. Average 5.6 yards per carry, 100 straight, 100-yard games to end the season. He did this with Vince Young as his quarterback, and Vince Young was actually a pro bowler. This was actually a fascinating season to go back and, and, and visit. Uh, to me, the biggest thing, along with the all-purpose yards, is this guy was 5'11", 195. I mean, he's kind of considered a... a a great scat back, right? I think scat backs, a lot of times we like to tend to think of them as not, you know, like a, a Dave Meggett, a complimentary back to a starter, but like he's easily the smallest running back on this list. Um, why is not higher? Uh, you know, he had 228 rushing yards against the Jaguars. That was his season high. Jaguars run defense wasn't that great. He started the season slow. Like I said, he finished the year with 100 straight 100 yard games and the, you know, the Titans went eight and eight, you know, so it wasn't like his performance, you know, led them to a playoff appearance. You know, I do look at those things, you know, they probably were eight and eight. They probably were five and 11 without him. You know, he probably got them to eight and eight, but largely, I mean, this season is, is mostly kind of forgotten. I think of the 2000 yard seasons, you really, it hasn't really aged well. And, uh, and yeah, he did a lot of his damage again. I, I tend to knock backs. He did a lot of their work against uh, defenses that weren't great Jaguars, but he did have two big games against Houston who was 10th in the league and run defense that year. So, you know, all in all, it was a great season. You could argue it was higher, but but I like where it is at 10. And and as we just saw with Henry and Lewis, it at least made the list. So I don't feel really guilty about leaving it where it is. Yeah, and I do think it's interesting. You mentioned his 2,509 yards from scrimmage. Okay. That's actually the NFL record for yards from scrimmage. But you mentioned all-purpose yards, which includes, uh, you know, kickoff returns and and punt returns, and it's I think it's like the fifth highest for all purpose. But as far as yards from scrimmage, just receiving and rushing yards, it is the NFL record. And so in that sense, if you just look at the numbers, you probably, like you said, could make an argument that it deserves to be higher. But I, you know what? I'm fine with it at 10 because you look – I mean, the Titans started 0-6 in 2009. They were lucky to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. He had 128 yards in a 59 to nothing loss to the Patriots. Should that even count for anything? Should you even get credit for any rushing yards you get in a 59 to nothing loss? Because by the second half, you're just trying to soil that game away and get out of there. That was the snow game where Tom Brady threw like 45 touchdown passes in the first half. Um, and so they definitely got off to a slow start. And then he, that although he kind of took off after that game. But yeah, I mean, that team wasn't very good, uh, especially at the beginning of the season. I like it. All right, number nine. We are going to Earl Campbell's 1979 season. Diardo, why is that number nine? Well, he 1,934 yards is pretty impressive. 13 touchdowns. Um, 
you know, uh, actually, I think we're, oh, no, I'm looking at the 1980 season, actually, which was also actually threatened to make the list. But when, when you look at what he did that year, he had four 200-yard games, incredibly impressive. You know, the biggest thing with, with Earl Campbell was, I mean, the 200 yards might be an all-time record. But I think the biggest thing was he had four 200-yard games that season, which which is that, to me, just kind of knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, as you can see on your screen, you know, had, you know, good games against, uh, you know, the Steelers and, and and whatnot. But, you know, really didn't have – he had kind of a point in the middle of the year where he wasn't, you know, terribly impressive. His playoff performance that year wasn't great. So that's why it's not higher. And, again, the issue – him, he, he was that era as, uh, you know, Derrick Henry where he was a north-south back wasn't going to catch a lot of passes. But again, if you're going to make a top 10 list, if you want to be higher than where you are, you've got to have some versatility. And so for me, that was the big knock on him was that he didn't have the, uh, the 200 yard game or the, uh, uh, the receptions, but he has the 200 yard games. He has the 1900 rushing yards. He did it against really good competition. Uh, and at that time, I think it was the, the most rushing yards second to OJ Simpson in league history. So and, you know, he carried Houston into the playoffs. So for me, all those things added up to him making the list. Yeah, absolutely. The Oilers went 11 and five that year. They went all the way to the AFC championship uh, before they lost to your Steelers. And what I'm sure was a very sad loss for the Oilers who uh, never made it to a Super Bowl while they were playing in Houston. Now, I will say you did mention the 1980 season, and and so I'm going to mention real quick that you did in your story explain the rules to this list, and it was that each player could only be on the list once. So, you know, could we put a top 10 ranking where Barry Sanders, four of his years are all in the top 10? Maybe. But you could a player could only have one season on this list. So they could only be listed once. Uh, Earl Campbell had a pretty spectacular 1980 season that you were talking about. So 1979. 1,697 rushing yards with 19 rushing touchdowns, which is insane for that era. And then 1980, he bounces back and, and tops that rushing total, 1,934 yards, but only 13 touchdowns. Uh, so why did you go with 1979 over 1980? No, actually, actually, we, we might need to be reaching out to Kevin Stein, who's on vacation. I think that's supposed to say 1980. So that's that's what's going on there. So, so, or, or whoever edited the story, Brad Anderson, maybe I'll go in and, and public self republish it myself, but no, that's actually, and that's where, even when I made my notes, when you said 79, I'm thinking, so maybe in my head, I subconsciously initially picked 79 and then changed it to 80. And we never actually went into the article and, and fixed it. So we're having an editorial meeting on the pick six podcast, but that's, that's where the confusion I think was. So, no, so I, I picked 1980, 1980 is the season I picked. So if you go into 1980, he had 1,934 yards. He had 13 touchdowns. And that's why I picked 80 over 79 is because Earl Campbell, you know, like I said, almost he almost had 2,000 rushing yards. But, you know, to me that season, he had 203 yards against the Vikings in week 16. Um, the main reason why I didn't have it higher was he didn't have two – against the Steelers in 1980, he didn't have two great games. Um, he had about four yards per carry average, which we all know four yards per carry is pretty decent, but for – you know, for his season average, it was 5.2. That was a little low. And then the playoffs, he only had 91 yards rushing and a playoff loss to the to the Raiders. So, so yeah, so uh, I'm going to have to read my articles a little bit better. But, yeah, it was the 1980 season actually over 79. But my big thing is, is uh, John, you know, when I when I look at this, my, my rankings, I really, again, my big focus is how they finished the season. Did they finish strong? 
did they really leave an emphasis or an exclamation point on the year? When we get closer to the top 10, to the top five specifically, you'll start to see that. But, you know, he didn't have a great game in the playoffs. He didn't have a great game against the Steelers, who was the best rushing defense he faced during the season. Well, the funny thing is that, I mean, we literally, you could sit here and debate which one of those it should be. And, and, and you know, I just mentioned his numbers for, 1979 versus 1980. I mean, you're saying 1980 is the number on your list with the 1,934 rushing yards. Uh, but, you know, let's not forget that his MVP season came in 1979. And a big reason for that was because of kind of his unprecedented scoring with the 19 touchdowns. So it's kind of a what factor do you like the scoring or do you like that he's producing more often with almost 300 more rushing yards in 1980? And, uh, you know, you mentioned the playoffs playing a factor in it in 1980. They got knocked out in the wild card round versus 79, where they made it all the way to the AFC title game. Um, yeah, so I, I do think either one of those seasons, what if, man, what if the editors were just like, what? I was alive then. It's 1979. That was the better season. Diardo's right. wrong. It's not 1980. We, we need to get like seven more people on this podcast and debate right. which Earl Campbell season was better. Uh, you know what? There's not going to be any debate with our next ranking because uh, at number eight, this person's best season was 2012. No one is going to argue over that. And that is Adrian Peterson, uh, who won the MVP over Peyton Manning in 2012. And tell us why he's number eight on the list, Diardo. Yeah, I mean, this is still the second most prolific rushing season of all time. And uh, also at 40 catches. And again, it's always, you know, we always talk about with running backs, particularly back then. Now we're in the age of we, we look at all purpose, right? Like you look at Alvin Kamara, never had a thousand yard rushing season, but we don't even really worry about that anymore. He's a pro bowler every year because of what he does as a receiver and a catcher. So it's kind of cool to look back at these lists and see, you know what, Adrian Peterson did catch the ball. You know, a lot of us don't really remember him as a pass catcher in his prime, but he was. And, and this season is a testament to that. You know, he had uh, 10 100-yard games. He really finished the year on a tear, as you can if you can see if you're watching on the screen. Uh, I think he averaged 141 yards a game his last 10 games. I mean, the six yards per carry is pretty bonkers. I mean, and that's another thing. I mean, Emma Smith's 95 season was a notable uh, exclusion on the list as well. That's actually the honorable mention on this list, not even Derrick Henry's 2020 season. Uh, but the thing with Emmett was his yards per carry was under five. Nobody on this list has a yards per carry of under five. So, and a couple have six, in, including Adrian Peterson. And, and again, finished uh, the season on a tear, you know, 199 yards against the Packers in week 17 to, to clinch uh, a playoff spot for the Vikings that year, who really wasn't a very strong team. Uh, you know, why he's not higher. He had a slow start to the year, only 100 yard game, his first six outings. And in the playoffs against the Packers in the rematch, he was good, but not great, you know, held to under hundred yards, um, still had a good game. But, but nothing really to write home about. And again, you would think you'd hear more about this season, John. It's the second most prolific rushing season ever, but but you really don't, which is kind of surprising. And, and again, you know, there wasn't a big crescendo of playoff success or anything like that. So I think for me, definitely deserved to make the list, um, but it falls a little bit short of making it higher on the list. Yeah, and this definitely feels like a season where Adrian Peterson absolutely carried the Vikings. I mean, obviously... We're not talking about 1979 here. We have memories of this 2012 season. Uh, the Vikings quarterback was Christian Ponder. Look, you take Adrian Peterson off that team. This team probably goes six and ten. Uh, you put Adrian Peterson on this team, and it was a completely different. Uh, it, it was playoff caliber. That's what they did. They went ten and six. I remember that uh, season finale. He needed like a hundred yards to hit two thousand. 
for his for the whole entire season, and it was against the Packers. It was week 16, week 17, whatever it was. It was the last game of the season, and he ends up going for 199, which not only got 2,000, but as you said, gave him the second uh, highest single-season total in NFL history behind only Eric Dickerson, who we will talk about a little bit later. So I thought this was a very fascinating uh, year. And the weird thing about Adrian Peterson is that he's been good for so long. It's that you kind of forget that watching the way his, ever since his controversy, uh, his suspension, that everything's kind of, he just hasn't been as good really. Um, I think he suspended in 2014. He had a good season in 2015, but really since then uh, kind of gone downhill, but Adrian Peterson from 20, 2007 to 2013 was just one of the most unstoppable running backs in the NFL. Yeah. And I think you could argue that he's the best running back of this, this millennium. I I don't think that's a debate, right? I think that's something that most people would generally agree. And, and, you know, you could argue Frank Gore possibly, I mean, Frank Gore, maybe he's had a better career in terms of got to Super Bowl and, and, you know, higher up on the career rushing list, but you know, it's almost like Jack Nicholas and uh, and Tiger Woods. You know, where Tiger's more AP and and Gore is is Nicholas. I don't know if that golf metaphor was good, as Will could attest to. I'm kind of still getting in. I'm getting into golf now, so I'm really kind of dialed into what's going on. But but yeah, I would argue that that you know AP is the best. Right, but again, like we've discussed his his game hasn't really aged very well in today's NFL. Where you have look at Najee Harris. Najee Harris comes into the league when AP did. He's used as AP. But now Najee Harris is catching all these passes because he's playing in today's NFL. So, you know, maybe that's why people have kind of already started to forget about him was that he was our father's running back, not this generation's running back. And Diardo, let me say that Brinson would have absolutely loved your golf metaphor. Uh, I don't do the golf metaphors. I didn't even get (laughs) it. I zoned out as soon as you started talking about golf. No, I'm kidding. That's all good. All good here. (laughs) Um, All right. So what do we got next? We have. At number seven, all sweetness, um, Walter Payton and his 1977 season. Now, this is Walter Payton. You think of all, all obviously played for a long time, 13 seasons, and you think of all the big years he had. I, this one is unequivocally his best year uh, as far as running the ball, and that was finishing with 1,852 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, also had three or two receiving touchdowns. And and the craziest part of this season is that this was a 14 game season. And so he finished with one, one of the, I think top three or top four highest yards per game uh, totals in NFL history with an average of 132.3 yards per game. Uh, Yeah. So Walter Payton, why is he at seven? So he's at seven because, as you said, I mean, 1852, and this was actually the NFL's final 14-game season. So, you know, and I think this was third all-time at the time for yards rushing the season behind Jim. You know, a couple guys we'll talk to, talk about later. You know, 5.46 yards per carry average, 1,000-yard games, two 200-yard games. I look at 200-yard games a lot, too. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, uh, Campbell's seven, or 80 made it over 79 is the four 200 yard games and the extra rushing yards. I mean, and again, nobody on this list ran for fewer than 1800 yards. Uh, and that's another reason why Emmett's 95 season did not make the cut, even though it was a deserving season in some regards, but, uh, you know, and he had, you know, Walter had the flu game when he went for 275 against the Vikings. Um, and, uh, that at the time was the highest rushing total in league history. I think it was till your boy, Corey Dillon broke it 
Maybe yep. Stood so, so for 23 years. That was yep. 275. Uh, Dylan ran for 278 against the Broncos in 2000. And uh, just real quick, Peyton. Uh, yeah. So that stood for 23 years. And it's still, as of today, the fifth highest single game total of all time. Right. And he had a 101 degree temperature in that game. He amassed, he, and this just shows you again. And one of the reasons why water makes it is, I mean, I think Joe Avellini or Bob Avellini was their starting quarterback at the time. And they made the playoffs. I mean, of of the Bears 366 yards in that game, Walter accounted for 281 of them, and they won. I mean, really before, you know, Mike Dick got there and the offense and Jim McMahon and stuff, I mean, the offense was well, – the Bears were Walter Payton. We weren't alive to obviously remember that, but, I mean, the Bears were Walter Payton. Why he's not higher, as you can see, his, his season didn't really end with a bang, 47 yards against the Giants team. That wasn't that great. In the playoffs, 60 yards on 19 carries again. They played the eventual Super Bowl champion Cowboys with a historically great defense. So I'm not going to really put that on him too much. But if you're going to make it higher on the list, then I need to see more at the end of the season. But again, I mean, as we talked about, two 2,000-yard seasons didn't make this list. So to make this list, you had to have an all-time epic year. And I think Walter's year is deserving. But he, And again, and there really weren't any numbers that really jumped off the page. He had, you know, uh, what, uh, seven, 16, 17 total touchdowns. A very nice number. But just if you're going to be in top five category, there really can't be any flaws uh, in your in your resume. And mentioning Bob Avellini, I think, uh, makes sense here because, look, the Bears, they went nine and five that year. You mentioned they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Bob Avellini threw seven more interceptions than touchdowns <laughs> in 1977. He threw 11 touchdown passes, 18 interceptions. This offense was literally only going to go as far, far as Walter Payton was going to take it. Uh, and his numbers are why he won that MVP award in 1977 because people are staring at Bob Avellini. They're thinking every time this guy th- drops back to pass, he's going to throw an interception. And so if you're the Bears, you got to give the ball to Walter Payton. Everyone knew Walter Payton was going to get the ball, and still no one could do anything about it. Uh, so I like this at seven. It's a great season, but I don't think, you know, when we get to these top six, which we're going to do right now, you just, there's no spot for it. You can't really move it up. Uh, especially you can't move it up to this number six spot because it's another MVP season. Uh, we mentioned Walter Payton's at number seven, 77's MVP, Adrian Peterson MVP in 2012. Our third straight MVP season here, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson in 2006. Um, Giardo, why is this at number six? I got a lot of heat on, well, for as much heat as a historical piece is going to get, you know, if you were a Tom Brady hit piece, you're going to get a lot of hits. But, you know, <laughs> for, for this list, I got maybe three or four people like, why didn't, why was an LT higher? So for me, that's, that's pretty big. Uh, and yeah, so here's the reason why. Again, great season, all time season. Uh, no 200 yard games, you know, and, 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 you know, I, and I know he was used as a receiver and he was kind of this new age. You know, he was kind of the future of running backs. Really, this was 16 years ago, which is hard to believe. But he was kind of the the, the wave of the, these kind of backs. Um, you know, 1,000 yard game. Again, this this is nitpicky stuff. But if you want to be top five, again, there really can't be any flaws in what you're bringing to the table. So, uh, and you know, his greatness didn't register in any playoff wins. I mean, they lost to the to the Patriots, and that was a season where the Chargers were better. I mean, they went 14 and two in the regular season. You know, Phil Rivers at that point was was kind of becoming that Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, he had a great game, you know, 123 you know, rushing yards, two touchdowns, 64 yards receiving uh, in that loss to New England. But late in that game, didn't really do anything to really put a stake in the Patriots. They had the lead. They lost the lead. 
you know, I feel terrible kind of condemning somebody for losing to Tom Brady because everybody on earth has, including the Patriots who Brady played for. But, uh, you know, just, just the way the season ended, um, you know, that was the big thing to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, all time great season, right? 1800 rushing yards, 508 receiving yards, you know, his 31 total touchdowns is still the NFL record league MVP. And, you know, this is really, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think at this point, fantasy football was really skyrocketing in popularity and LT's popularity was huge because of all the points that he gave the fantasy owners. Yeah. And they were, uh, destroying. If you had LT on your team, you were destroying everyone. And that season he, he finished with, uh, 2,323 yards from scrimmage, which is the eighth most of all time. We talked about earlier how Chris Johnson season number 10 is the most of all time at 2509, except that the Titans started 0 and 6 and struggled to an 8 and 8 record. So it's hard to, uh, you know, say that Johnson's season was all that valuable. Uh, whereas you have Tomlinson here at 2,323 yards. And you know what? Tomlinson actually had a better all around season, not as far as scoring, uh, in 2003, because he had over 700 uh, receiving yards, but I don't yeah. think anyone would ever put that atop this MVP season because not only do you have over 500 receiving yards, as you mentioned, over 1,800 rushing yards, but the 31 total touchdowns is insane. I mean, that that is just a bonkers number. Do you know what's crazy about that 03 season, John? He had 100 catches. He did not make the Pro Bowl. That is crazy. That's and that's why he didn't make the list. Like I, I actually looked at at that that 03 season, and I'm like, I can't put a guy on a list that doesn't make the Pro Bowl. Like that's kind of odd to me. I mean, most of these guys made the MVP that that season. This was obviously a LT's MVP season. I didn't I didn't make it a point where you have to be an MVP. There were a few benchmarks that I kind of wanted you to declare, but I mean, the fact that now we'd have to go back and look. But I mean, I know that Priest Holmes made the Pro Bowl that year. I don't remember all the other running backs. I mean, back then, the, the league was littered with great running backs, but Marshall Falk at that point was, the, was in his prime. Um, but, man, the fact – oh, and that was also the year that Jamal Lewis ran for 2000. 66 was in 03. So, you know, Edron James was in the league. So, obviously – but, yeah, didn't make the Pro Bowl that year despite having 100 receptions and all the rushing yards he had. Yeah, that always stinks when you have a career year, one of your best years, when everybody else also chooses to have one of their best years – uh, and that kind of leaves you hanging. And you know what's funny is there was one particular game as a Bengals fan that I remember about that 2006 season. And I, I remember this vividly. This was, uh, it was right before Thanksgiving in t- 2006. And, you know, the 2005 season, that was the Bengals' first playoff berth since 1990. It had been a long time. You're finally thinking, oh my gosh, this team is good. They can play with the best teams. They're playing a Chargers team that, like you said, you know, they finished 14 and two with a, is the top seed in the AFC. And the Chargers go into Cincinnati and the Bengals take a 21 nothing lead. And I remember thinking, oh my God, the Bengals are actually good. They can, they're, they're stomping down on the best team in the league. And then that 21 nothing lead somehow turned into a 49 41 loss. Um, yes. So that is my random story. And uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, what does he have to do with that? He scored four touchdowns. And I'm sure I don't have to remind you of how that 06 Bengals season ended. Um, if you're talking about the slant into the end zone in overtime for a touchdown against the Steelers, 
No, you don't have to remind me. And my roommate was a Bengal fan again. My entire life is surrounded by Bengal fans and how I choose to deal with that. And now I'm obviously choosing to join the dark side. (laughs) You were just waiting, waiting to bring that up. You're like, I see your notes. As soon as we talk about the 2006 Tomlinson season, I hope Breach brings up the Bengals so I can rub that season-ending loss in his face. I I actually do this day, and maybe this is for another podcast that I don't know who, what target audience want to listen to AFC North, uh, you know, uh, you know, just shooting the stuff, but I don't know what happened to the Bengals in 06 because they had, a, I think they lost to the Colts late in the year. And that kind of started the, the downward spiral because Carson had a great season that year and they were coming off the wild card performance the year before. I thought that was kind of when they were going to take off. I know this is not the running back list, maybe for another time, but, but yeah, I mean, didn't, didn't mean to do that, John, but it was kind of, kind of thrown my way and and uh, i had to take it so yeah and so for anyone that does not know the details of that game the Bengals lost the steelers on new year's eve i was at the game in oh, overtime the game. in overtime oh. where if the Bengals would have won they would have gone to nine and seven i think they would have made the playoffs and said yeah so they win that game they're in the playoffs and instead ben roethlisberger hit santonio holmes with a 67 yard touchdown pass not it wasn't a bomb. It was a slant that Holmes took to the house, uh, and that was it. Steelers win. Steelers and Bengals both go eight and eight that season. And yeah, I don't even. Bill Cowher's final game. game. That was Bill oh, yeah, final well, game. You know, in that case, good for Bill. <laughs> I'm happy about it. The Bengals weren't going to win the Super Bowl that year, or whatever. Yeah, at least Bill right. got to go out with a win. Um, all right, you know what? That's good. We're going to take a break and we're going to recalibrate. And remember, this is not an AFC North podcast. It's a best running back season. So let's take a break real quick. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president Enter Wondery's newest sports show, alternate routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors, Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right. Welcome back. Uh, You know what? You're coming back. You're back here for the top five seasons 
of all time. Top five rushing seasons of all time in NFL history. Uh, we already had Chris Johnson, number 10, Earl Campbell, at number nine, Adrian Peterson at eight, Walter Payton at seven, with Damian Tomlinson at six. Uh, now we're to number five. And number five is, I believe, were they handing out MVPs? Nope, it's not MVP season. I know Jim Brown won a bunch of MVPs, but this is not one of his MVP seasons. This is his 1963 season with the Cleveland Browns. He rushed for over 1,800 yards, which seems like an insane number for 1963 uh, Diardo, why is this the number five game, number five season on your top 10 rushing list? Well, I believe at the time it was the most rushing yards by a running back ever, 1863. Did it in 14 games, 900-yard games, two 200-yard games. One of those games, 232 yards, two touchdowns against Tom Landry's Cowboys, averaged 12 yards per carry in that game, not, not too shabby. 12 touchdowns, and and also, you know, he didn't catch a bunch of passes, but 24, 268 yards, three touchdowns. To me, really, it's the three touchdown catches. So it wasn't like, you know, he, you know, wasn't used at all. So over 2,100 all-purpose, um, you know, and really, I mean, if, if you're, you know, 60-plus, which, you know, my dad actually, the Steelers were so bad in the 60s, he had Steelers season tickets. They went to games to see who the – to watch the opponents, really, to watch the Colts come in with Johnny Unitas – to watch the Browns come in with Jim Brown. And to this day, he says that Jim Brown's the greatest running back that's ever lived. So I, you know, I really wanted Emmett to have a spot on this list. I, but again, I just, none of his seasons really hit the bar. I'm glad that there was a Jim Brown season that hit the bar. You know, why it's not higher again, I like to look at how you're finishing. Is, and as you can see, you know, that second to last game of the year, they lose. He has 61 yards on 13 carries. Again, not a terrible day, but not a sensational day. And back then, you know, only two teams in each division made the playoffs and the playoffs was the championship. And because of that loss, they miss out on playing for the championship. Now, a year later, the Browns get their title uh, with Jim Brown. Then he retires and rides off into the sunset. But, you know, for that reason, it wasn't higher. But this season has every everything else that you would want. Yeah, it's weird because Jim Brown did win, as mentioned, multiple MVPs. Uh, Pro Football Reference has him down for 1957, 1958, 1965. But it does feel like this was his best season. I mean, he averaged 133.1 yards per game, which was the highest number of his career. So he was just kind of running over everyone. Uh, and you mentioned those 200-yard games, which are just, you know, those were rare early on in the NFL. And for him to have multiple 200-yard games uh, is just something that's impressive. Uh, yeah, so Jim Brown, and he did finish second in the MVP voting in 1963 behind Y Tittle. Diardo, yeah. you know history. I didn't have to tell you that. I'm telling the listeners that. I knew Diardo knew that. I actually uh, wasn't sure. I had to think for a minute there. I had to think for a second. I think there was probably a historical story written at some point and it it banged me in the head. But I don't remember what they had to take out the trash. So, you know, I gotta work on life skills here, John. But you know, yeah. But last great year for Y.A. Tittle, though. But we, we all do. We all need to work on the life <laughs> skills, Brian. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we got 1963 great season. You know, what's crazy that he led the NFL in yards per game in every season he played except for one. Yeah, I think that's right. Maybe that sounds right. That, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Well, yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder, is he the greatest running back of all time? So when I was in college, I used to work in a shoe shine room. Those things exist. And there was an older guy. It was in college in 1960. 
Yeah. Yep. yep. And I sold newspapers for a nickel outside of the barber shop as well. So, you know, but you know, there was an order guy. It was his retirement job. His name was Rick Hancock. If you're out there listening, Rick, and we used to debate because shining shoes isn't rocket science. We used to debate forever. Who's the greatest running back ever. And we throw out Walter Payton and Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. And he always just said, guys, guys, it's, it's Jim Brown. You had to be there to see it. And I feel like for us, in our generation, you know, that's probably us defending Michael Jordan. Who remember when Michael Jordan played against all the guys that are playing now, like LeBron James. But, you know, it's unfortunate that I feel like we can appreciate history, but I feel like unless you were alive and you saw it in real time, you just can't appreciate greatness. And that's why I'm really afraid of 27, 2070 when I'm the only person alive still talking about the 70 Steelers and I'm going to be told to give it a rest. So, you know, but, but yeah, I just think that Jim Brown, I don't know if he's the greatest running back of all time, but I do know he was a man among boys. He was the Babe Ruth of running backs when he played. And he certainly, you know, set the standard for future running backs that followed him. Yes. And whenever you're on the podcast with me, we also do not want to be talking about the Steelers. Fair uh, enough. Just, Fair just enough. to be clear, Fair we enough. keep our Steelers talk to a minimum, um, which makes me happy because the next person on this list is not a Steelers player, but that's about the only thing that makes me happy about the next person on this list. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> At number – oh, and real quick, uh, Jim Brown led the NFL in eight out of nine seasons. He, he played nine years, and he led the NFL in yards per game in eight of those nine seasons. All right, let's get to uh, number four. Always a controversial name on any list, but when you're just talking pure football, you can't leave him off, and that is O.J. Simpson, the 1973 NFL MVP. I'm going to keep my OJ words to a minimum and just give the four to you, Diardo. Yeah, and I'll I'll try to do the same. I honestly, because of his life, kind of tried to not put him on the list. But you know, he's the first 2,000 yard running back, and he did it in 14 games. He averaged six yards a carry, and he was pretty much that team. I mean, they were you know they were a team that gave the ball to OJ Simpson a lot, and he delivered. And he's not higher, you know, outside. You know, if we're just talking on the field. He's not higher because he only had six catches that season. So this was a guy that got the ball and ran with it a lot. Really didn't do much else. But, you know, he had 1,100-yard games, three 200-yard games. Uh, in a two-game stretch late in the year, he had 419 yards on 56 carries at 7.5 yards per carry average. Uh, you know, closed out the year with a big performance against the Jets to get the record. Um, you know, his that, that season's just too strong not to be on the list. I don't know if I already mentioned it or not, but, but you know, when you see a six next to a yards per carry – in a 2000, you have to include it. Um, so yeah, I mean, as much as I tried, you know, I had to, you know, he, you know, he's not higher, but you know, he kind of set that template that a back could get 2000 yards. And, you know, the NFL had a 14 game season or a 12 game season for a long time. And there's only one 2000 yard running back during that stretch of time. And that's him. So, yeah. Yeah. And that absolutely bears worth repeating in 14 games. OJ ran for more than 2000 yards. He hit the 2000 yard mark in 14 games. I mean, that doesn't even seem possible. Uh, but the Bills did not make the playoffs that season. Even though OJ won the MVP, they missed out by one game. They went nine and five, and they needed to go 10 and four. You know what? Two teams went 10 and four and got playoff berths the Bengals that, and Steelers. That's true. You said it, not me. Just for the record, <laughs> you, <laughs> you said that, not me. And I think we, I think both teams, maybe, but no. Who the Steelers that year lost to uh, the Raiders, and maybe you guys lost to the Dolphins, maybe? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. The right. The, uh, the Steelers got smoked by the Raiders, and the Bengals got smoked by the Dolphins. 
And then the Raiders got smoked by the Dolphins. And then uh, the Dolphins, that was the, the repeat year after their undefeated season. They went 12 and 2 and won it all. Um, you know, I will ask one quick OJ question about mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you think about the 75 season? Because when we look at seven, and obviously he won MVP in 73, but in 75, he almost doubled his touchdown total. He had 23 total touchdowns. He only had 12 in 73. Uh, I know you mentioned his lack of receiving skills in 73 with only six catches. Uh, he had seven touchdown catches in 1975, actually uh, pretty impressive, and finished with 1,817 yards. So he had 200 fewer yards, but 11 more touchdowns and was kind of more of a receiving threat uh, in 75. So did you consider that one at all, or was it just, you know what, he won the MVP in 73. This was when he was at his best. Yeah, I'll admit, John, I didn't even consider this season. So I, I give you a lot of credit for kind of forcing me to kind of look at the season with a with a tighter lens. And yeah, I mean, seven re- receiving touchdowns is kind of news to me. He had a hundred yard receiving game against the Dolphins that year, which they were they still had that stout defense. And one thing I did know about his 75 season was his only playoff game ever. He rushed for under 50 yards in 74 against the black and gold being cute here and then week two of that season against the black and gold ran for 227 and that team that pit pit team won the super bowl that year so maybe i should have of given a tighter look but i feel like if you're you have to include oj season i almost feel like it would be sacrilegious isn't the right word but i feel like it would be incredibly odd to not go with his his 73 season albeit though i agree i think 75 is his most complete season ever but not his best season, maybe. But 2,000 yeah. yards in 14 games is an accomplishment that speaks for itself. There's a reason sure. no other player did it in NFL history. So that's not to say that the 75 season should be in over 73. Because when you think of OJ, you just think of the 2,000-yard season in 14 games. Um, right. But it, the, the fact that he does have two games uh, or two seasons that were that close, that were that uh, transcendent for a running back, he finished second in the MVP voting in 1975. Do you know who he finished behind that year? 75 league MVP? Uh, oh, you're going to get me. You know, can I just, I'm throwing out a guess. Random guess. Was it Fran Tarkenton? Uh, it was Fran Tarkenton. You just know your old school quarterbacks too well. You can't even stump Diarra. It's not even. Oh, I'm no. going to stop. Oh, no. With Wilson and Brinson. Brinson, we guess four times. Get it wrong. Start Googling. Pretend like he's not Googling. And then wait four seconds and then say, was it Tar- Fran Tarkenton? Oh. And then I'd be like, okay, you got it. But we My both technology is not good enough. So <laughs> even if I tried to cheat, I would get exposed. So, you know, but no, I knew, I mean, yeah, that, that OJ season, as you said, here's one thing I'm just looking at that season. Now that, that you forced me to, to, to admit that I probably made, maybe committed a faux pas. I, I should have at least considered this. He had at least one touchdown in every game that year. That like, That's insane. He had, he was in the end zone every game. And the and the one game he didn't, I think he had a rush, he had a rushing touchdown every game but one. And in that game, he caught a touchdown. That I mean, obviously off the field, he's not a great guy. Keep it to take it lightly. But the dude, and I think he's a little bit overrated in terms of running backs because he didn't have the longevity. But the dude in his prime, I mean, NFL Films called him the player of the decade, which is an unofficial title, but it, I mean, for the first five years of the seventies or from, from 72 to 75, there might not be a better running back ever for, for four or five years. Yeah. And he was playing on a bills team uh, that quite frankly, wasn't very good while he was there. It was kind of like, 
Uh, you know, another person we'll get to on the list being stuck on a bad team. And as you noted, OJ only played in one playoff game in his entire career. As good as he was, only got to the postseason one time. Uh, the next person on this list did not get to the postseason one time. He got to the postseason multiple times because uh, he won multiple Super Bowls. And that is Sorrell Davis. Um, he had several good seasons, but definitely one great season. I don't think anyone will debate the Terrell Davis season that belongs on this list. It's the one at number three, and it is the one in 1998. Why is this at number three, Diardo? Well, this is really the season that you look at. Actually, if you want to talk comparing seasons, you could you could argue that his 97 season was more impressive. Now, the rushing yards were lower. He, he was under 70, he was under 1,800 in the regular season. But in the playoffs, had 184 against Jacksonville, 101 against a really tough Kansas City defense with uh, Neil Smith and Derek Thomas and those guys. 139 against Pittsburgh and in the Super Bowl against Green Bay, 157 and three touchdowns despite having a migraine. That was TD's 97 season. 98 comes back off of that season. 2008 yards, 21 rushing touchdowns, uh, wins league MVP. In the playoffs, goes from 199 against a Dolphins team that held him to 129 during the regular season. 167, and this is a theme now for the rest of the way. Running great running backs face Parcells Belichick coach teams since they, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s were pretty much in, you know, Parcells was the head coach and Parcells was was the DC or other way around. Parcells was the head coach and Belichick was the DC for many of those years. So TD runs for 167 against that team, and the Super Bowl runs for 102 against a Falcons defense that was geared to stop him yet still goes for 102, was really the decoy that allowed Elway to win MVP honors in his final game. His 2,476 yards that season is still the league record regular season and playoffs. Derrick Henry in 19 had a chance to potentially chase that down. But the biggest thing to me was, along with everything I just said about TD's 98 season, he sat out the equivalent of two games during the regular season because the Broncos had such huge, they were a dominant team that season. and. A lot of fourth quarters, he was on the bench watching the action. So that's why week 16 or week 17, despite him dealing with a rib injury, they made him go for 2,000 because they were like, you sacrificed all these games sitting here and watching. I think they took for granted that he would get 2,000 because he had 1,000 after seven games. But then he kept sitting in fourth quarters. And then, the you know, the, the Dolphins game happened where he only gains 29. And then it became... You know, now he might not get it. And the Broncos all kind of decided that it was important for him to get that and to get a win because they were 13 and 0, then lost two games. So I think they kind of also wanted to get their mojo back before the playoffs. But I mean, this season has everything. I mean, if you have, if he had his Super Bowl 32 performance this season, this might be number one. Like this, this would be number one if, if the 97 playoffs is in the, the uh, 98 season, but it's not. Number three, still pretty good. Uh, and the other thing, you know, you mentioned how productive he was in the 1998 postseason uh, when they played Atlanta in the Super Bowl. And one thing there is that, uh, you know, a lot of people forget, nobody forgets that he had a huge postseason that year, but a lot of people might forget that he literally carried them to the playoffs. John Elway was horrible in the uh, divisional round, in the conference title round. Obviously, he had a great Super Bowl. That's why he won uh, MVP through over 300 yards. But when you look at the rounds before that, he th didn't throw for more than 185 yards in either the divisional round or the conference title round. So Elway, he only completed 13 of 34 passes against the Jets in the AFC title game that year. 38% of your passes. If your quarterback 
uh, is only completing 38% of his passes in the conference title game. They're supposed to lose by like four touchdowns. But the Broncos did not because uh, Terrell Davis came through with 167 rushing yards and a touchdown in that game. Uh, and in that opening playoff game against the Dolphins, 199 and two touchdowns. Uh, he rushed for more yardage than Elway threw for in that divisional round playoff game. So that was, uh, you know, the Broncos probably don't repeat as champions if he does not play as well as he did in those two games. Um, all right. Yeah, that's a uh, pretty solid explanation from you for why he's number three. Now we're into the top two and this is going to get juicy. I think this is going to get juicy here because the number one single season rushing record belongs to one Eric Dickerson. And he is not number one on his this list. He uh, rushed for 2,105 yards NFL record in 1984, and although that is the NFL record, that is only ranked as the second best season ever by a running back, Diardo. Why is Eric Dickerson at number two on this list? And, and, and John, as we've made clear here, we are on different sides of the aisle as it relates to our football loyalty, so you won't hurt my feelings if you think I made a mistake here. So, so you can hear me out first and then let me know if you agree or disagree and, and you won't hurt my feelings that much. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and also... I loved making this list. You know, the quarterback one was fun to make. We might have more coming down the pike here this summer. There's nothing to talk about right now. But <laughs> this one was a lot of fun because I didn't just want to do, okay, well, we're going to go to the top 10 rushing seasons ever in that. I mean, to me, I, I wanted to make have a couple 2,000 you know, years not make the list. I wanted to mix it up. And it would have been very easy to put Eric Dickerson number one just because of what you said, 2105, which is still the standard. So, you know, I'll talk about all the good things he did that season first. 2105 still the record. 12 100-yard games, uh, two 200-yard games, 215 versus Houston late in the year to get the record. Um, you know, those are all the great things he did. Coming off a year, he ran for over 1,800 yards as a rookie. I mean, those two seasons combined, I think, along with TD's 97-98 campaigns, are the best – I mean, it's the best two years to start a career ever, and it might be the two best consecutive rushing seasons ever, regardless of where they were in their career. Why it's not higher? 14 touchdowns really isn't much to write home about. 21 catches isn't much to write home about. And then the wild card loss to Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells' New York Giants. The first playoff win for either coach in the NFL ever. Um, he ran for 107 yards and a touchdown, which is good. It's not bad, but they lost a one-possession game where he potentially could have done more. It's very similar to LT's season in 06, where he didn't play bad in the playoffs, but they needed a Herculean effort or, or an epic effort to win, and he didn't. So, to me, the end of Dickerson's season left a little to be desired, not to mention his last game of the regular season. He didn't have a 100-yard game, and 14 touchdowns is a little low. These are all nitpicky things, but if you want to be number one, you, your slate has to be almost immaculate, and you can argue it's number one, but... I like where it is at two, uh, and I think the guy ahead of him had a little bit better of a season. Yeah, I, I do think that absolutely Dickerson, it's fair to put him at two. Uh, you know, it's not like he's at eight on this list, and obviously you are you get the eye-popping numbers with the, the 2,105 rushing yards, the NFL single-season record. Uh, but as you said, you know, you lose in the playoffs. Uh, and you know what's crazy? You mentioned this, this two the start of his career, his rookie year and his second year is that you could almost argue that his 1983 season could be the year on this list. Uh, 
Obviously, the, the rushing yardage wasn't anywhere as close, uh, 1,808 yards. So he's almost 300 fewer rushing yards, but he had almost 300 more receiving yards, um, and he scored 20 touchdowns in 1983 compared to just 14 in 1984. Um, so that's the crazy thing with Dickerson is that he has two seasons that legitimately could be on this list and one season that was arguably better than his NFL record setting season. Um, and also, you know, they won a playoff game in 1983, which they didn't do in 84, but you know, you can't argue against 2,105 yards. And one other thing going for Dickerson is that it was kind of like, we were talking about the bills had zero OJ had zero quarterback help. Neither the Dickerson. I think Jeff Kemp was the quarterback with who got most of the starts in, in 84. And that's telling you, the running back is carrying the team. Eric Dickerson almost uh, rushed for more yardage than the entire Rams team threw for in 1984. The Rams, they had uh, four card- three quarterbacks who threw at least one pass. They threw for 2,382 yards as a team. Dickerson rushed for 2,105. So just 280 yards behind uh, the team's total passing number. So he was everything. Uh, I like this, and people can decide if they don't like it or like it because we're going to reveal the number one right now, and that is none other than Barry Sanders. Every season, Barry Sanders was on the football field was a good one uh, because no one could tackle him. He was untackable. I don't know if untackable is a word. It is a word now, and whenever you talk about Barry Sanders, it's a word. Uh, and Diardo was going with the 1997 season, which I think was hands down the best one. He won MVP that year. Uh, Diardo, why is Barry Sanders at the top of the list for the 10 best rushing seasons in NFL history? So this is not, I mean, I have the tech, you know, the actual reasons in my hand here with, you know, my notes, but I want people, if they have Twitter, which most people have Twitter, Go on and write in your search engine, Barry Sanders, Bears, 1997. You will see a video of him scoring three touchdowns. The announcers in that game were Pat Summerall and John Madden. And they said four words in that video, pretty much that's it. It, it, Well, four words, but the same word three times. Amazing and unbelievable. And John Madden was a Hall of Fame coach, and Pat Summerall played and announced for decades upon decades upon decades. They were dumbfounded watching Barry Sanders run the football as anybody was that watched him play, not just that season, but any season. And and he might be the best running back of all time. He's on any Mount Rushmore of greatest running backs of all time. He started that year with Bobby Ross as his new head coach. Wayne Fonts was fired. And Barry famously did not like having a fullback in front of him. So what does Coach Ross do? He puts a fullback in front of him and then watches Barry run for 53 yards in the Lions' first two games. They get rid of the fullback. And Barry runs for 2,000 in the last 14 games. So, you know, I know with with OJ, you know, he ran for 2,003 in a 14-game season. Well, Barry ran for 2,000 in the final 14 games of 97. So Barry kind of did what OJ did if you take away games, you know, weeks one and two. So he finishes the year with 1,400-yard games. That is still the record for most 100-yard games in a season. Uh, no, I don't, well, no, he had a couple of 200-yard games that season. Um 6.1 yards per carry average. I mean, that's insane. That's bonkers. That's bonkers. 2,358 all-purpose yards. As I said, two 200-yard games. He had one against the Buccaneers where they stymied him earlier in the season. He comes back and runs for, I think he had two monster, like, long touchdown runs in that game. And that's kind of when people were starting to wonder if Barry was, was 
done because I think he was I think this was his age 30 season if I'm not mistaken it was either his age 29 or age I mean he retired after the next season so this was kind of near the end and uh kind of announced himself against a very good Buccaneers and that was the Buccaneers first really good team with Tony Dungy that kind of came onto the scene and had a couple Hall of Famers on that defense uh 14 touchdowns as I said he did catch the ball that year he had you know, 33 catches, three touchdowns. There's obviously running backs with better receiving gears, LT among them. But he he did do things other than run the ball. And he willed the Lions to the playoffs that year. Just willed them. No, no running backs ever done, you know, more with less. When you talk about, you know, Dickerson, most of his yards was gained on a play called 47 Gap. The lead blocker on 47 Gap is Jackie Slater, who is maybe the greatest tackle ever. He's in the, well, Anthony Munoz is. Had to save myself there, John. Anthony Munoz is. But Slater's on the Mount Rushmore of tackles. So, you know, it wasn't – I mean, I know that the Lions had some good linemen. They had some good players, Herman Moore and, and whatnot. But Barry was really the, the, the engine of that team. Um, no pun intended for Detroit engines. But uh, you know, the only thing missing on this year would have been a great playoff performance. But given what he did in the regular season and what the Lions were, just making the playoffs was a huge year for them and achievement. I didn't hold that against him. I think it's the greatest rushing season that we've ever seen. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned how prolific he was during the season. There were five games out of 16 where he averaged more than eight yards per carry. Imagine a running back averaging eight yards per carry. You give him the ball twice, you have a first down. You give him the ball on first down, it's second and two. That would be game-changing. Uh, so he did that five different times during the season. This wasn't just one game where he did that. He had a game against the Colts where he averaged nine yards per carry. Uh, Barry Sanders just, yeah, if you, I can never get enough Barry Sanders highlights. Go to YouTube uh, after you hit like on the Pick 6 podcast. Google Barry Sanders runs, best Barry Sanders touchdowns, best Barry Sanders highlights, and you will just sit and be amazed. I would watch all nine years worth of highlights. It might take you a few hours, a few days, a few weeks. Uh, but you know what? If you don't eat breakfast and you don't sleep and you have your food, uh, Uber eats to your desk where you're watching all this, <laughs> it will get done quickly. Uh, but definitely Barry Sanders, easily, like you said, on the Mount Rushmore of best NFL running backs ever. Diardo, you are on the Mount Rushmore of people who make top 10 lists about seasons in NFL history. I don't even know who else would be on that Mount Rushmore. That's man. what I was thinking, but you know. <laughs> You are absolutely there. I am glad we had this conversation. Um, you know, I was going to make fun of Brinson one more time, but I felt like the hair plug conference, it, he won't bring me back any hair plugs, and I'm going to need him soon. You know, it's going to thin out eventually. So I want something back. I am glad everybody stuck around. Listen to the top 10 list. If you have any problem with it, or if you loved it, tell Diardo on Twitter. Diardo, what's your Twitter handle? At Brian Diardo, very original. So you can find me there. That's it. We copied off each other because I'm at John Breach. You know, you don't need to spice it up. The name works. The name works. Uh, All right. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. And we'll be back this week, but without Princeton. So you're getting guests so small. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.